Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. I have to say, after hearing that song, that this morning, before my feet hit the ground, I said, thank you, Jesus, for waking me up and giving me another day that I might rise up and take your hand. Yes, thank you, Jesus, for giving us another day to look each other in the eye and to raise our hands to heaven with praise and adoration for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is a new day. The old days are behind us. Behold, all things for my life and yours is brand new. Welcome to this new day. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. Good to see each and every one of you. My name is Dennis, pastor here. And I'm delighted and honored to serve Jesus with you. We started last week this new teaching series in the church season of Lent entitled Jesus Is. We were looking at the characteristics of Jesus, simple messages, but yet touch the heart. Last week, we looked at Jesus as carpenter. This week, we're looking at the statement, Jesus is teacher. Jesus is teacher. So by a show of hands, how many teachers do we have in the room? How many teachers? Look around, look around. I'll raise them up there. Thank you. Let's give some praise to God for the teachers. Amen. So if you're a, yeah, so if you're a teacher, then you know the importance of effective communication. You also know the challenges of communication, right? If you've ever stood behind a podium or even in your workplace, if you've given a lecture, you know how challenging communication can be. You can be saying one thing and they're hearing something else. There are times where my wife Rachel will say, I don't think you meant to say what you said. And I was thinking, I didn't even realize it. So perhaps Today, that's happening, and I just pray that what's coming out of my mind and my mouth will also enter your, your mind today. But effective communication is so important. And also, when you see communication that's not too effective, it's, it's challenging, but it can be humorous. In fact, let me share with you some church bulletin bloopers. Here's some I think you'll enjoy. Here's one. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Now, I think they meant to say something else, right? But they communicated poorly. Here's another one. Due to the pastor's illness, Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued until further notice, right? Here's one. Ladies, don't forget our rummage sale in the fellowship hall. Here's a good chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping. Bring your husband along. Let me give you another one. Tonight, Youth Fellowship Sexuality Course, 8 p.m. Please park in the rear parking lot for this activity. I heard that Youth Fellowship doubled in attendance that night. And finally this, the pastor will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth Into Joy. You didn't have to laugh that hard on that one, right? It's amazing when we think about how 
challenging communication can be that Jesus was considered to be the master communicator. Jesus was considered to be the greatest teacher of all time because he had no formal education. And yet we see him listed as the teacher. 48 times in the New Testament do we see Jesus being referred to as teacher. In fact, I'm going to make a bold statement here, but I I really believe it. I, I believe historically I could back it up that the teachings of Jesus have been translated into more languages than any other teacher. In fact, the teachings of Jesus have been translated into 2,700 different languages worldwide. So that goes into ethnic dialects. More than any other teacher, and the teachings of Jesus continue to make a profound impact 2,000 years later, I mean, here we are halfway around the world where these, this uh, teacher taught, and yet we're in a small area, Tip City, Montgomery County, that people around the world have not heard of, and yet we are talking years later about the teachings of this man. Who was he? And who is he today? Jesus is the teacher. Our key verse today is found in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. You may want to turn there, but I'm going to highlight just a few scriptures today. But let me just share one with you. Matthew chapter 7, we're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, so he finishes this, what's considered to be by many the greatest sermon of all time, and it says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. In fact, often we see that phrase over and over again. They were astonished. They were perplexed. They were scratching their heads. I mean, where did he get that authority? Even when he was 12 in the temple, he's talking to scholars, if you remember that story, and they were amazed by this young boys' knowledge, understanding the scripture. Let me just give you a few other scriptures to back up what I'm saying. Last week, we talked about Jesus Carpenter. We talked about him going back to his hometown, teaching in the synagogue. And when he was finished teaching, they said this in verse 54. When he began teaching, the people were amazed. They asked, where did this man get this wisdom? I mean, This was Joseph's son. This was Mary's son. His sisters are still here. We know his four brothers, right? He's the carpenter who perhaps made the kitchen table, right? Remember that from last week. What seminary did he go to? What graduate school did he graduate from? How could he get this knowledge? Here's another one, Matthew chapter 22, 33. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Two more. John chapter 7, 46. We find the temple guards coming to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they say, no one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards replied. And finally this, John chapter 7, 14 and 15. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught. Now, what's going on here? In the first century, how one got an education is that they would seek out 
a rabbi, a scribe, a scholar, and they would attach themselves to the teacher. They would become a follower of that teacher and perhaps later a student, a disciple. And they would hang out with them. They would learn from them. They would sit at their feet. Anytime you see that little phrase in the Bible, sitting at the feet, like Mary later sat at the feet of Jesus, right? The apostle Paul said that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a great Jewish scholar of the first century, a Jewish rabbi. So they would sit at the feet of them, meaning they would sit under their authority, under their teaching, perhaps for about three years. And after a period of time, the rabbi then would, would commission them, would graduate them, so to speak, would send them off where they would then become a great teacher, where they would seek followers and disciples and people would sit at their feet and so forth. And that's how they, they would get their, in a sense, degree, <laughs> Well, as far as we know, Jesus didn't have any of that. Jesus didn't go to rabbinical school. And yet Jesus spoke with authority. He spoke with power. He spoke where people listened. He had influence. Good teachers have influence, don't they? Even after one leaves the class. Think about teachers in your life for a moment. Who were those who made a great difference? Perhaps even, let's just take a moment. We didn't do this in the first service, but if you can think of a teacher that comes to mind from elementary, junior high, or college that really touched you, turn towards your neighbor and just speak that out loud. I want, I want their name to be spread throughout this room here. Just name a teacher that made a difference in your life today. We can all think of individuals. Right? If you're online, go ahead and drop that in the chat of a teacher that's made a difference in your life. I'm on Facebook too much, and this morning as I got up, after some morning prayers and reaching towards the sun, so to speak, reaching towards the Lord, I got on my computer and I went to that place called Facebook Memories. You ever do that? Where memories from the past pop up of posts that you had. Five years ago on this very date, where was I? Well, my Facebook told me where I was. I was preaching that evening in my hometown of Zanesville at a community Lenten service. The Methodist churches of the county come together. There are six of them and they all come together every year and they had this big special Lenten service preparing for Easter and I was the guest speaker that night. I've actually done that several times and I was serving as the Methodist superintendent as many of you know that I served in that position where I was an overseer to, to 15,000 Methodists actually in Southeast Ohio. So a lot of different churches, 170 churches. And so Zanesville was one of the regions I served in and so I came back and I was a DS and Several hundred people were there in this room as we talked about the cross and contemplated the cross, and, and it was a great service. And after the service, it was a tradition of that church in downtown to have a receiving line to say some words to the DS and to Rachel. And so we were out in there, and people were coming. You know, it's always dangerous, though, to be serving in your home region, your hometown, right? 
Just like I talked about last week, I had mentioned this before, but I'll, I'll say it again. I think it was one of those nights like this where a guy came up to me and said, hey, Dennis, I want you to know that you're a lot better preacher than you were a basketball player in high school. <laughs> that literally happened. I said, well, thank you. I think that's a compliment. I, th- <laughs> I think, you know, it's always dangerous to be preaching back home. And uh, so as I was in this line, they, actually, they were in the line coming up and saying hello to me. This beautiful little lady in her mid-60s came up before me. It was someone that I knew from my past. I had not seen her in 40 years. It was Miss Fuller, my second grade teacher at Duncan Falls Junior High. I was part of her first class after she graduated from a high university, probably she was about six, she was about 22 or 23 years old. It was in the late 70s, 78, 79. And it had been 40 years later and she was getting ready to retire. She stayed in the same school her entire career and she was ready to retire. She had heard that I was preaching and she had come with a friend. And when I realized it was her, I was just overwhelmed with emotion. For I couldn't remember much at second grade, but I remember someone who loved me, who cared for me, who made school fun. Now I mentioned all that mess about being the DS, only to say in the least Methodist system for the region, I held the position as the most authority in the room and in the town and in the county. But there was one that night, a little beautiful lady before me who had much more authority, amen? Who had much more influence. She wasn't Stephanie Fuller to me. Oh no, she was Miss Fuller. Do you have anyone like that in your life? I wanna encourage you that if those individuals are still living, you will bless them and you will also get blessed if you take a moment, even this afternoon, if you'll write a little note, if you know them personally, give them a little call, but take the time to say, your work was not in vain. (laughs) Even if you were one who tried the teacher's patience, okay? To thank them. Will you do that? Is that a good idea? Thank your teacher. If they're in heaven today, then just thank God for the gift that you received through their influence. Real teachers have influence. Jesus had influence. His teaching still making ripples. Let me tell you a little bit more about his effective communication. What was Jesus' preaching style? There are all kinds of different preachers in America today, all kinds of different styles. And I think sometimes we seek people that speak to us or, or um, that we can connect with and how our minds work. And I understand that. What was Jesus' style? Jesus painted mental pictures and he told stories. Primarily, that's what he did. And he asked questions provocative questions. He was uh, very powerful. He spoke with authority. 
But mostly if you read the recorded preaching of Jesus and his teaching, it was he painted pictures, write that down, and he told stories. Rarely, if ever, did Jesus teach in a deductive pattern where he would say, okay, open your Bibles to the Torah, let's say to the book of Leviticus, we're going to go verse by verse, word by word. I'm going to show you in this text the Hebrew. We're going to break down the syllables of that. I'm going to give you three points in a poem. We're going to go home. <laughs> now, a couple times Jesus did refer in his teaching to Old Testament, but rarely did he teach that way. There's nothing wrong with that style. There are many of my good colleagues that preach that way, and more. that's wonderful, you know. And sometimes I do as well. But that's not what we see Jesus do. What did Jesus do? Jesus, he asked questions. He shared stories. He painted mental pictures. Several, several years ago, I was preaching and one person came up. It was one of those kind of compliments like the other guy gave me about the basketball. He said, Pastor Dennis, we like you, but you tell too much stories. You tell too many stories, Right? And I do tell some stories, I do. But I said to this person, God gave me just the right words to say. I said, thank you for telling me that I preach just like Jesus. <laughs> that's a great compliment. And in the spirit of Jesus, that's the way I'll do it because he's called me to do it. That's the way that Jesus taught. Jesus used humor, not just to be a part of a, a comedy club, even I told that story today with the bulletins, not just because I wanted to laugh. It's easy to get a laugh, but it was to draw people in or to make a point. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 19, you remember, he was talking about uh, rich people getting into heaven. Read that whole chapter. And he says, hey, gang, it's harder for a rich person than to get into heaven like a camel. Picture a camel in your mind. Big camel, bigger than you, two humps, right? Now picture a needle, very small, right? Picture the eye of a needle. Now picture a camel walking through the eye of a needle. And people would laugh, come on, Jesus, that's ridiculous. That can't be, oh no, picture that. Go ahead and just push the back of that camel through the eye of that needle. Oh, all right, Jesus, that's crazy. He'd say, ding, 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 exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. It's impossible. It's an impossible for a rich person to make it to heaven. But then he says this. He says, what's impossible with man, with human, is possible with God. Jesus made his point. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about hypocrisy. He says, picture in your mind a tree. Picture in your mind cutting that tree into a log, maybe a two by four. And let's say as you're doing that, you get that two by four stuck in your eye. Can you imagine a person walking around with a big two by four in their eye? And then picture that person going up to another person who has a speck of sawdust in their eye and criticizing them to get that sawdust out of their eye. He says, first take out the two by four, right? Didn't he teach this? Come on, you guys awake? He says, take this out, then you can talk about your brother or sister's eye. 
He was very compelling. He used things of the day. So today, in the method of Jesus, we can talk about modern things. Jesus, yeah, but Jesus never, you told a story about an airplane. Jesus, well, of course. Jesus didn't live in that time. What did Jesus talk about? He talked about sheep. He talked about a lost coin. He talked about farming. He talked about sowing seeds. He talked about things that people could understand to apply the relevant word, the word of God, into their life. And he did it in a very effective and powerful way. Very rarely did Jesus preach three points in a sermon. Nothing wrong with that, but that wasn't the teaching style of Jesus. Now, let me ask you a series of questions. What would you do to sit under the teaching ministry of Jesus? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if I announced, oh, by the way, I have this special word for you that next week we're going to talk about Jesus's healing, which that will be our theme, Jesus's healer. Don't miss it, by the way. We're going to invite people to come and be prayed for to be healed. We're going to anoint with oil. It's going to be a great time. But let's say, for instance, since that's the theme, Jesus is going to come and he is going to be the preacher. Wouldn't that be cool? I guarantee the word would get out. I guarantee we have a few seats that are empty around here. Look around. I guarantee there wouldn't be an empty seat at Kingsburg Church, right? The place would be packed. In fact, people would be lining up around the walls. We'd be having people outside. In fact, it would be just like the Bible story where look up and see that opening that uh, sky window we have in here, the shades are drawn, of course. We would have to almost open that up and lower the disabled, just like that story in the New Testament, down into the midst of it all. It would be an incredible point if Jesus, nobody would skip church that Sunday. They'd all be here. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome to sit under the teaching ministry of Jesus? You say, that's a mute point, pastor, because Jesus's teaching ministry stopped 2,000 years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> Come on, church. Nope. Really? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, said Jesus, will never pass away. And two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. What happens? There I am in the midst of it all. That Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is there. There's power when people meet together. I mean, it's also true when two or three Methodists gather together a chicken dies, but that's a whole nother sermon <laughs> for another day. Some of you will think about that. We love our potluck dinners around here. Make sure you're still awake there. See, Jesus would do that. He'd grab you with something as well. So Jesus is still teaching today. The question is, will you be his disciple? Will you sit as, at his feet? Will you move from being a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus? I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.